Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Good morning. Welcome to um, the Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 22-year breast cancer survivor. And my name is Becky Olson. I'm a three-time 20-year breast cancer survivor, and we are both the co-founders of Breast Friends. Um, Today, we're going to talk about exercise (laughs) (laughs) and cancer and why we really do, darn it, need to move our bodies Yep. We have two great guests today. Lisa Peters is a breast cancer survivor herself, and she's an exercise enthusiast. And Dr. Cynthia Axe, a breast surgeon and a proponent of exercise to help fight cancer. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we're yes. so glad you're here. And, you know, we're, we have a really full show today, so I just want to get right to it. Lisa, why don't we're going to have you each kind of do a little introduction, but Lisa, let's start with you. Would you briefly tell us your story and tell us how breast cancer, just getting breast cancer, kind of changed your life? Sure, sure. So uh, life was going along great. <laughs> Married two children, went um, at the age of 40 in for my first mammogram and was diagnosed um, with uh, invasive ductal carcinoma. And uh, from, from there, as we all know, it was a whirlwind uh, of treatments. I um, had a lumpectomy that did not result in clear margins, so then I uh, had a mastectomy, and that was followed by chemo, radiation, reconstruction. And then because of the estrogen receptor-positive nature of my cancer, I also had a, a hysterectomy and an oophorectomy. And um, so, you know, that was just a blur of a year. Um, but looking back and, and where I am today, I think how it changed me was just allowing myself to kind of fall apart, but then get put back together and then find tremendous joy um, in becoming the best version of myself. Oh, that's beautiful. That, you know, and we hear that from so many, from so many cancer survivors. It's, it's not always completely negative. I mean, there's certainly difficult moments, but it, you know, if you look on that side of it, how to put your best life back together, that's pretty cool. It really is. There's so many, so many lessons that if we allow ourselves to kind of listen to those lessons, we can, we can definitely improve our lives. Even, even if it was going great, like yours was, there's still things we can improve on. So that's great to hear. So, Dr. Axe, you know, you're a breast surgeon. You've seen a lot of patients in your life. Um, and I, we know that you believe in physical exercise and yoga. <clears throat> Excuse me. How important a role do they both play from the medical perspective? Just give us kind of, again, the nutshell version and why you feel the way you, you feel about it. Well, my experience stems back to my whole approach to health care and medicine. Um, over time, I grew up in a medical family. I started my healing a uh, journey as a healer, as a critical care nurse, and then went to osteopathic school mm-hmm. and general surgery training. And then I uh, limited my practice to breast disease. And what I started to realize is that treating a patient as a surgeon 
is not the same as healing a person. Mm. And through my quest to better understand the whole mind-body connection, one of the elements I realized is is that exercise and is very important. Yoga is a whole other, uh, a whole hour or more topic, but it is part <laughs> of, you know, you can say yoga is exercise, but there's a lot more benefit to yoga. Mm-hmm. But there, we do know that um, research have established that regular physical activity can improve health by helping to control weight, maintaining healthy bones, muscles, and joints, reducing risk of developing high blood pressure and diabetes, promoting psychological well-being, reducing the risk of death from heart disease, um, premature death. It also boosts the immune system. And studies have also shown that being active uh, in many ways can lower the risk of breast cancer recurrence, breast cancer-specific mortality, as well as overall mortality. Mm-hmm. Well, and just being active, just just having an active lifestyle, um, we enjoy life better too. I mean, just yes. overall, you know, enjoying life and being happy, and you know, all those things too. <laughs> yep, it it all definitely plays a role. Part of my my joy is I got myself a dog in December, and now he takes me out for walks every day. It's kind of fun. <laughs> Yeah, so, you got to do what you got to do, right? You got to do it, exactly. <laughs> well, we're going to come back to more details on the medical benefits of this, but Lisa, let's go back to you for a moment. When did exercise become a part of your life? Well, I think when I was about 12, my mom started um, exercising, and that was because her doctor asked her, you know, she was trying to think how old she was at that point, but her doctor asked her, what are you doing for regular exercise? And she was kind of dumbfounded, like, what do you mean? And I think for women <laughs> of her generation, that wasn't as common, um, uh, you know, a part of their daily life as, as it is now, as, it, as it's promoted now to be. So she started going to aerobics and walking and running, and I saw that modeled, and I wanted to join in. Um, and I did, and I noticed right away that through all that activity, you know, I felt great physically, I felt strong, and I felt fit, but it also really boosted my self-esteem, and it was a huge way for me to relieve stress. So I, I, I sensed those benefits right away. So age 12, that's, pretty, that's yeah. pretty cool. And you've been exercising ever since. I really have, yeah. I, I just um, have felt that it's just a really positive part of my life, yeah. Good, good. Well, tell us a little bit more about your mom, because, you know, I know that she was that influence on you to run, but there, I think there's more to that story. So why don't you just tell us a little bit more about your mom and her experience? Oh, yes. There's so much more to that story. She's, <laughs> she's my hero. She really is. Um, so, yeah, she stayed active her, her whole life. I mean, she just was always somebody on the go. And uh, to your point, Becky, about having a dog, that's one of the best things that you can do <laughs> to force yourself out on walks. But um, she took it to an extreme, like she would walk her dog four times a day. <laughs> um, so her dogs were always very spoiled. Um, but yeah, she, she stayed really active. And then, um, you know, very surprisingly to our whole family, in 2011, she was diagnosed with uh, late stage ovarian cancer. Oh, and no. uh, so that was a real shock to us. And, and yeah, especially course. living that healthy lifestyle like she did. And then to, it just kind of goes to prove that cancer does not discriminate and you know, anyway, I'm sorry, keep going. That was, oh, yeah, that no, was a I, shock, I totally I'm sure. I totally agree. I totally agree. 
so she, um, you know, so we didn't know. None of us had really been through that before. We didn't know what to expect when she was going through treatment. And I kind of envisioned the, the worst, uh, that she would be sick to her stomach and bedridden and really inactive. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, she, she surprised all of us by continuing to be as active as she could, continuing to walk. Um, you know, and even on her, even on her crummy days, she, and she certainly had them. Um, she forced herself to get out and, and at least walk. And, uh, you know, I have no doubt her quality of life was, was vastly improved by, by that activity level. Mm. That makes sense. That absolutely yeah. makes sense. So just keeping, keeping as active as you can during treatment, I think, is, is pretty darn important. That's yeah. for sure. And it's probably easier to do that, I mean, if, you, if you've already had an active lifestyle, rather than just right. trying to go from a couch potato to suddenly active when you have cancer. So for people listening right now, you know, it, it's, that's a good motivator because, you know, that, that was important. Your mom was not only able to keep doing it, but she was willing to keep doing it. And right. that, that's important. And so. it probably did really keep her spirits high that she could continue to do that. Because again, dealing with late stage anything can be can be devastating emotionally as well as physically. So, you know, keeping that um, those endorphins going probably helped her keep going a lot longer too. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, one of the best moments that I can think of was um, she was in the middle of chemotherapy at the time. She uh, did a 5K race in Eugene. Seriously? And wow. she actually came in first place in her age group. What? Uh, wow, and, amazing. Just, Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> one of my best you know, I, still, I have her time posted on my wall. You know, oh, that a, is so reminder. impressive. You know, it's funny because my first year that I was diagnosed was 1996, and I did the Komen Race for the Cure that year. I thought, you know, this is this this is the f- I need to do this. So I went there, and I was bald. And unlike your mother, I um, walked most of it. And at the I mean, there were like 40,000 people, and they gave everybody a little stick as you're coming through through the turnstile. And I think I was number 39,520 or something. <laughs> so, but as I was coming toward the end, I heard the, um, the announcer, you know, the MCs that they had up on the, the thing, she yells, and here comes another survivor now. And I'm turning and I'm looking and I'm realizing I am the only one with a pink hat and a pink shirt. And I got so inspired. I ran that last, I don't know, 20 yards oh. or something. <laughs> and I went through that oh. turnstile and people were clapping and cheering and I just broke down and started crying because I felt, even though it took me so long, I felt like I had just run a marathon and I just yeah. won. Even mm-hmm. though I was almost dead last, I felt mm-hmm. like a winner. So I can't imagine what it would be like to actually be the winner. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. But, yeah, but again, part, that's, I think, a good lesson because, again, you don't have to come in first. You yeah. just need to participate. You right. just need yeah. to get up off the couch and, and start uh-huh. moving, and and you'll get better. Because I'm sure, you know, if, if she had um, run the race that you're talking about uh, several years before, before she really started exercising, she would not have accomplished that. So, again, you're not going to get off the couch and run a marathon. You right. know, it, it, it takes baby steps to get there. It's kind of like writing a book. You don't sit down to write a book. You write a paragraph, right? Exactly. And then one day you put all the paragraphs together and you got a book. Exactly. Um, so, Lisa, talk to us about the runner's high. I've heard of that. Um, it doesn't sound very pleasant. I mean, it does until it's not. <laughs> but why don't you tell us about that? 
<laughs> yeah. So, um, Sharon, you said the magic word earlier, endorphins. Um, and, and when you exercise, what happens is your body releases chemicals called endorphins, and they interact with the receptors in your brain, and they actually reduce your perception of pain, which is mm, huge. Yeah. Um, and they also just trigger in your, in your body a really positive feeling. Um, and it's, it's actually been compared to morphine. Um, so it, it's amazing um, when, when you get your body in motion and you have that rush of endorphins, what a positive feeling it, it, it has. And um, Becky, like your tears at the end of that mm-hmm. event, I, you know, I totally relate to that um, because I would, I would be out there, you know, bald and shuffling down the block and have tears just rolling down my face. Yeah. And it wasn't because I was angry or sad or overwhelmed. It mm-hmm. was because I was elated um, yeah. to just be moving and, um, you know, continuing on. Mm, ah. Interesting. So even though I was slow and almost last, I, I maybe had runner's high for a minute. Because I remember that. <laughs> Good. I can tell people I had runner's high. Woo-hoo. <laughs> I don't At know least if it once in their life, right? Yeah, for a, a minute or two. <laughs> oh, shoot. So, so Dr. Axe, let's talk to you for a second about the medical perspective. Because I know we... We kind of hear that there's definitely medical benefits for exercising, but uh, some of us still don't move as much as we should. So, so tell us about that, would you? Oh, absolutely. Well, if you think of the human body and how just amazing it is, it's very uh, intricate and complex. But we do know that exercises increases the flow of body fluids. So your lymphatic flow uh, is very important to keep that uh, working regularly without obstruction. It removes waste products from the metabolism and function of our cells. It also increases other body fluids like blood, so arterial flow and venous flow. And movement also helps to lubricate the joints in our bodies and often people who are undergoing cancer treatment will have uh, aches and pains in their joints and their muscles and so exercise can help with that. Um, It increases oxygenations to our tissue because we're breathing more efficiently, we're getting more oxygen into the circulation and oxygen is one of the key elements that's important for normal cell function. So it optimizes the function of our cells. And as Lisa said, that endorphin release improves mood. It boosts self-esteem. And all these things can help us sleep better. Uh, It helps to quiet the mind. It's been shown to improve uh, survivorship. And in addition, many people undergoing cancer treatment experience severe fatigue and often depression. And so all the exercise we just mentioned does help with that. And it's so funny because it seems so counterintuitive. Like I'm I'm achy and I'm tired and it's like, and I'm going to go for a run. That just, you know, that that's never, uh, I guess, set well with me, but it does actually work, doesn't it? It does. I mean, it's it's always a struggle, you know, for anyone. Uh, I think even those that exercise regularly, there's times where you just don't feel like getting up and moving. But I have yet to meet someone that tells me after they did that they regretted it. They always say, I'm so glad I did that. I wasn't going to, but I feel so much better. Yeah, isn't that interesting? So just again, even if you're just like, let's just walk around the block, 
Let's walk to the mailbox if that's all we can do right now. And then next, you know, tomorrow we can walk around the block or, you know, next week we'll maybe walk around our neighborhood. You know, so again, those baby steps to try to get you into, um, you know, a better shape so you can kind of increase your stamina a little bit at a time. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. So, you know, something. I, I oh, go ahead. tell my patients, a lot of them complain, well, I'm not the person I used to be. It's very depressing. Um, you, part of moving forward in your journey is accepting where you are presently. Mm-hmm. And then you can get up and start taking those baby steps. But you're not going to be able to move forward by just making the intention to do it. You actually have to physically get started. You actually have to put your shoes on, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Which kind of explains Nike's theme, just do it. it yeah, know, just talk it. about it. But just exactly. get the shoes on. And so just a real quick, because we're going to have to go out to break here in a minute, and we'll pick this up where we left off. But let me go to a question that we were going to ask you later, and I'll, we'll just ask it now. So I know we've talked a lot about running, and then Sharon just brought up sometimes all we can do is walk. But if you walk daily, that's pretty good, right? I mean, maybe some people can't run because maybe they've got some physical condition, but is walking good enough? Walking is good. Well, it depends on your definition of good enough. Okay. Again, anything is better than nothing. And and typically what happens is once you start and you get into the program, you realize how good it makes you feel, so you're going to want to do it more. So if all you can do is get out and walk, you don't have to run. There are different elements of exercise we can talk about later that's important to get certain elements if you can throughout the week. But certainly if you want to get out and walk and then maybe challenge yourself to increase your pace a little bit or even do a little bit of uh, sprinting, so walking real fast for 30 seconds and then slowing it down for a minute and trying to do that, your body does adapt to a certain level. Mm -hmm. So if you can start uh, setting goals, for yourself and challenging yourself, you'll get stronger. You know, there was a really good app I found for my phone. It's called Couch to 5K. It's, I think, C2-5K. And it's for the person who is a couch potato who actually wants to think about running a 5K. And they take you through those kind of activities. You walk for a minute and a half, and then you run for 30 seconds. And you walk for a minute and a half, and you run for... And you just keep doing that until you've completed 30 minutes. And... You know, I'm thinking I can do pretty much anything for 30 seconds, you know. <laughs> but over time, you start to switch, you know, you flip those around, and pretty soon you're running two minutes and you're walking for a minute, and then, you know, and it just continues to build. It, it, it was a pretty good program, uh, you know, and I actually got to where I could, I ran 43 minutes straight, which for me, at my age and in my physical condition, was pretty darn good. I was real happy with that. Listen, we're going to take a break because it's time for us to do that, but we will come back because we want to pick up some more questions on this medical perspective. So we will be back shortly. Um, We really would love to have you call and ask your questions of Dr. Axe or of Lisa, who has been exercising since she was 12, and she looks fabulous. We know her. They both do. Um, But give us a call at 866-472-5792, and we'll talk to you after the break. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about exercise and how it affects us with cancer. Um, with Lisa Peters, a uh, cancer survivor, and Dr. Cynthia Axe. So let's kind of li- uh, pick up where we left off here. Um, Dr. Axe, how about, let's talk specifics about um, exercise and cancer treatment. Okay, so if, if a woman is going through, you know, surgery... Um, which is your bailiwick, um, and and then still wants to continue to exercise. Let's talk about that first, and then we'll kind of go into some of the other treatments that we go into. Okay, well, um, you know, with surgery, depending on the extent of the surgery, there's going to be um, increased inflammation and stagnant lymphatic flow and often some muscle loss of lack of use in the recovery period. And, and so I, I can't underestimate the importance of lymphatic, healthy lymphatic drainage and circulation and the power of the breath. So exercise and particularly yoga can help with all of these. And yoga is very important for activating the part of the nervous system that has more of a relaxing, calming effect called the parasympathetic nervous system, and this uh, also helps to promote wellness. Um, it this vagus nerve is part of the the parasympathetic nervous system communicates with uh, organs and tissues for um, optimizing physiologic benefits. And the lymphatic flow is helpful for eliminating toxins. So when you're going through surgery and you're getting anesthetic drugs and pain medication and nausea medication, those are all detoxified in the liver. So the lymphatic flow will help to detoxify that. Um, Exercises that create twisting motions uh, will help kind of wring out the internal uh, organs, helps with detoxifying 
and rejuvenates the body, particularly while undergoing various uh, chemotherapy treatment. And just the act of moving the muscles, the skeletal muscles of the body, through any type of exercise, whether it's running or walking or hiking or swimming, this also helps to clear the lymph flow, and it maintains good muscle tone and helps to prevent loss of lean muscle mass. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, again, like those uh, radiation or chemotherapy treatments, those kinds of things, um, again, um, your body is is kind of thrown into a very toxic place. And so, again, moving that lymphatic fluid, cleaning out the liver, all those kinds of things, sounds like it makes really a, an important difference in your healing. Absolutely. If, if you think of like a, um, a pond, so if you have a pond that doesn't have underlying current and water throwing it, it becomes stagnant oh, and yeah. you get overgrowth of things and mm-hmm. it's not healthy, clear water. So think of the body fluids as such that the more you're moving and the more you're using your uh, diaphragm and breathing techniques, it helps the body to move the fluids, which helps us to maintain optimal health and, and re- increases the recovery from treatment. Right, right. That, that all makes perfectly good sense. So, so how does exercise affect survivors in terms of the risk of, retur- of recurrence? There are many studies to show that all these benefits that we have been talking about help reduce risk of recurrence. Um, also, with maintaining a healthy body weight, we know that women, particularly with breast cancer, that are menopausal, there is a relationship between um, body weight and risk of recurrence. So mm-hmm. exercise helps us to make healthier choices with our nutrition. It helps us to maintain good body weight, which will eventually translate into a potential benefit in risk reduction. Yeah, that makes complete sense. In fact, um, just just um, understanding that and we when, we when we're kind of done with our treatment and, and it feels like, wow, what can I do to, to ensure my cancer doesn't come back? There's not a lot we can really do, but this is something we can do. Our eating and our exercising, our moving are two mm-hmm. things that we really do have control over, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, it's makes really sense. an investment in your health. Mm-hmm. As uh, providers, we can we can only do so much for our patients. We can provide them treatment options and resources, but it's but especially in survivorship to try to minimize the risk of uh, recurrent disease and developing new disease. A lot is mm-hmm. in the hands of ourselves. The choices that we make investing in ourselves and making ourselves a priority, you know, scheduling time for your exercise because it's important. Right. That makes sense. Becky, did you have a story about that? Well, I do. But before I share that, I want to go back to another question that that's kind of on my mind um, because I know, and Lisa, you brought this up in a conversation we had on a different day about, um, you know, again, going back to the benefits of exercise while you're in treatment. Now, we did talk about just a moment ago about, you know, for surgery and all that, but for the patient who's on chemotherapy, aren't there some other enhanced benefits of exercise in the way your body uh, processes the chemo? And can you, can you speak to that? I just feel like that's still a missing piece we haven't covered. 
Well, I think intuitively, if you are detoxifying your liver throughout chemotherapy, then the chemicals in the liver, the enzymes that help to metabolize your drugs can work more effectively. Okay. You don't have that backup and congestion. You don't have the strain on the liver. As as long as the liver has good blood flow and good lymphatic flow, then it can work more optimally. Mm -hmm. And Lisa, you had some... It does. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's hard. We're not in the same room, so we can't see when people are getting ready to speak. So, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Um, Lisa, let me ask you a question. I know you you had some some real positive experiences with doing exercise while you were on chemo. What what were some of those benefits that you experienced? Well, I think you know some of the benefits that Dr. Axe addressed earlier. Um, better sleep. That was, I think, a huge one. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I, I slept well uh, during okay. chemo. Um, and then, of course, you know, your immune system is, is under attack um, with white, low white blood cell counts during chemo. So having anything um, that can boost your immune system is really helpful. Um, and, you know, I, I very well could be that I was just extremely lucky, but um, I actually did not get sick once um, during chemo and um, wow. you know yeah and I, I like to think that exercise maybe helped with that piece of it um, well, maybe it so, did yeah, just, yeah yeah and then okay. just feeling uh, less fatigued you know mm-hmm. like Sharon said it seems counterintuitive you're tired why would you want to exercise if you're tired but <laughs> it really does give you a boost that you need it does indeed. So, well, thank you for that because I, you know, I, I just know for a lot of people when they're on chemo, going out is the last thing on their mind, putting on your yeah. shoes and going out for a walk. But anything, you know, like Dr. Axe said, anything is better than nothing. And getting that fluid moving so it's not sitting in a pond. I like that analogy. I'm going to. That's a great to, analogy. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I have a pond in the backyard and when it's off for a while, it starts to collect some icky stuff. So it's um, yeah. that's a that's a really good analogy. Thank you. Um, yeah, I did actually have a little story that I wanted to share about. You know, we talk about um, obesity and you know women being overweight and the risk for cancer recurrence. And I actually asked my doctor one time because I've had cancer three times and. And every one of them tested estrogen positive. Now, I'm in my 60s, and I shouldn't have any more estrogen in my body at this point. At least it doesn't feel like I do. And But I, just, but I have to be on these drugs now probably for the rest of my life to reduce estrogen. And I talked to my doctor about it once because I said, you know, why don't you just take out my ovaries, and then maybe they'll stop producing estrogen and I can get off these drugs. And he said something that was a real eye-opener to me. And it made a, a big difference. He said, you know, it seems like that would make sense. But he says when women go into menopause, and a lot of the reason women kind of gather around the middle there is because your body is storing estrogen in that middle section, and it's actually producing a form of estrogen in that middle section. So even though you think that, you know, you're, you're reducing it, it's your body's way of trying to kind of keep it going and so no he says the the thing that would help you the most is to lose some weight around the middle and so I did I met with a a doctor and I actually lost about 30 pounds unfortunately I put five of them back but um, and I still would like to lose another 20 but that was a real eye-opener that that's part of the reason why you know being obese or overweight impacts cancer and, and the recurrence factor. So, Dr. X, can you speak to that and add any more information to that story? Yes, I can. Um, you okay. know, we, 
we just we all think that estrogen just comes from the ovaries, but you yeah. know men have estrogens too, and they do not have ovaries. So the the ovarian production of estrogen tends to be the largest organ, but estrogen can be produced by the adrenal glands, and it's a metabolite of androgen production, which is found in the fat cell. Interesting. So uh-huh. a lot of the risk factors that have been identified for years that are related to risk of breast cancer focus around the amount of estrogen circulating in the body and estrogen exposure. And so when you are overweight, your total estrogen load is greater than if you're within ideal body weight. Um, And, you know, stress increases weight gain based on the release of adrenal steroids. We also have a lot of uh, synthetic estrogen-like molecules that are hidden in our foods. Um, mm. So the food industry has contributed to, you know, obesity. We're all very aware of the problem mm-hmm. with obesity in the country. So mm-hmm. it's really hard, I think, especially when you're menopausal and your metabolic rate uh, gets slower to try to maintain that ideal body weight, which is how exercise can help us with that. Yeah, that you know, when he shared that with me, that was such an eye-opener. And, you know, because I'd been hearing it for so long that it, you know, obesity leads to breast cancer, but, but why, you know? So now that really made so much sense to me, and, and it was a, a great motivator. So thank you for that. Um, so let's go back again for the kind of, of exercise. There are so many classes available on exercise. You know, there's, there's yoga, there's walking, there, there's all kinds of things you can sign up for through, you know, like your community uh, parks and rec kind of departments, that sort of thing. What are some of the best options for classes and where are they most likely found? Lisa, let me ask you that question because I know you've got a lot of great resources around that. Sure, yeah, I did a lot of research um, after I was diagnosed looking <laughs> for these kinds of things. And yoga definitely is a, is a great, um, great form of exercise. And um, what I found, and this is just my personal experience, when I took classes that had like the word gentle or restorative um, in the class title, um, that suited me best. And I was able to tell the instructor before class kind of what my limitations were. And they were always fabulous about, you know, helping me modify mm-hmm. poses as, as I needed to. So so yoga is a great option. Um, rowing is, a, is another really popular option. And, and you um, may have heard of the, some of our listeners may have heard of the um, Portland uh, rowing team, the Pink Phoenix, um, that's comprised of breast cancer survivors. And I think being on the water and being in motion and being surrounded by other survivors mm-hmm. is a really positive experience for for a lot of women and there are Uh, rowing teams all over the country i mean it's really becoming quite the sport you just have to be careful you're not trying to do that right after surgery because you cannot do that right after surgery right but uh, but yeah it's a it's a great activity so what else yeah yeah um and and strength training i think is an important element um to add to your overall activity for the week Um, not only getting some some cardio activity, but, but doing things to help your, your bones and your muscles. Um, and I found personally, because I, I don't think we've talked about this yet, but I tried to avoid the gym um, during treatment because of just, you know, the low white blood cell count and, and not yeah. wanting to expose myself to, 
to ger- unnecessary germs. And so I just was able to do some things at home, and it can be very simple, um, doing some squats, doing some lunges, trying to hold a plank for a little while, mm-hmm. um, taking a small hand weight and doing some bicep or tricep curls. Those are you know, all things you could do very easily at home just for 10 minutes even. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah. That's really good advice. You know, I remember after I was finally feeling good enough to go back to the gym and I wasn't worried about that, I, I signed up with a, like a group training program. And, and I just want to share this. I felt so horrible because I couldn't even pull this five-pound thing. My arms were were so you know, everything was so sore and I had lymphedema and I had all these issues and I started to cry. I actually broke down in the class oh. and I started to cry because I couldn't even do five pounds and that's that's crazy, right? But the trainer was so wonderful and she said to me, she goes, you know, you just survived something that probably nobody in this room has had to deal with. So take it easy and don't worry about it. You'll get there. Yeah. And don't I just be hard remember, on yourself. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and like Lisa said, you know, let the instructor, whether it's yoga or weight training or whatever, let them know what you're doing and why you're doing it so that they can, you know, be tuned in. They don't want you to get hurt either, but they don't want you to feel bad about, you know, your effort that you're making. So, and any effort is better than no effort, right? <laughs> We've heard that kind of repeated. So, Lisa, what else? Is there anything else that, that we can look at through community involvement or, you know, anything like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, one of the things that I was looking for personally when I went through treatment was some some kind of walking um, group. And I, I um, didn't find one locally. And so I really wanted to start one. And um, and with the help of Breast Friends, we're going to be we're going to be launching that um, next Saturday, June 4th. Yeah. So, I, you know, just we were talking earlier about walking being a, a kind of an easy and accessible um, activity for a wide range of people. And um, if women want to come out for a walk with us, we would love to have them join us. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah, I'm so glad walking. we can do that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay, we're going to go out to break pretty soon, but we have a couple more minutes left. So let's talk about, and, and Dr. Axe, I want to ask you this question. What is the right amount of exercise? You know, and I know it's going to vary from where you are in your treatment, but let's, let's move, let's just talk about that. So when you're in treatment, how much exercise is the right amount? And then how much after you're done with treatment, what's the right amount for everyday life? Well, I'd like to start with after treatment because that's a lot okay. easier. I mean, there's okay. lots and lots of research that might tweak the amount of time, but for the most part, it's recommended that about 150 minutes of moderate or 75 minutes of vigorous exercise weekly with two strength trainings is uh, optimal. But during treatment, it really, you know, is dependent on, first of all, what your baseline was because we wouldn't expect you to start beyond what your baseline was. Right. And then okay. depending on, you know, what kind of treatment you're going through, what kind of problems you're having, certainly when you're going through chemo and you've got really low counts, it's going to be a lot harder to get out. Um, in the elements or out in public and go to classes. So perhaps maybe some home things, like she said, with some yoga, strengthening, um, or even just practicing some breathing techniques where you're really getting the the chest muscles working. Um, you know, so that's a little harder to say what is optimal. Okay. But once you're in survivorship, it's important to have a balance between uh, flexibility and strength exercises sure. because okay. 
strength without flexibility is really rigidity, and right. flexibility without strength is instability. So we want ah. a balance between the two. Well, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I do too. That's awesome. <laughs> Gives mm-hmm. you a good picture. It yeah. really does. So if I hear 75 minutes a week, that's basically four days, and that's vigorous exercise. That's that would be vigorous. four days of 20 minutes a day of doing something that makes you sweat. <laughs> Am I hearing that right? Really sweat and where you can't have a conversation doing it. Okay. Cool. All right. We are going to go out to break and we'll come back and we'll finish up this conversation and then we'll talk about a couple of other motivating things. And so we encourage you to give us a call at 866-472-5792 and we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. So welcome back. We're talking about exercise and how it affects our cancer and our uh, uh recurrence rates and all these different things and when we were uh, just uh, before the break we were talking about the right amount of exercise and I have to admit one time I went to a jazzercise class with a friend of mine and of course she'd been going for some time and then the next day I could hardly walk because (laughs) I could hardly get out of bed in fact because (laughs) I was trying to keep up with her so I think that's a really important message too that you know you don't don't allow your ego to get in the way. Um, yeah, it's not a competition, do, right? No, it's not a competition, yeah. and you want to be able to um, feel it a little bit. Certainly, that you know that you've you've accomplished something, but at the same time, you don't want to make it so you don't want to ever do that again. <laughs> <laughs> that's true because that's a kind of one of the biggest downfalls I think is like no that hurt too much I'm not going to do it again. I and, know. Like oh no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well so, good. 
a so, lot of us start these kind of routines, you know, um, and and we don't stick with them. So I know that was one one of my tips. Don't overdo it. Um, what other tips uh, would you say, uh, Lisa? Why don't you start with that one? Sure. Yeah, I I love that piece of advice um, to not let your ego get in the way and and, and to adapt, <laughs> be willing to adapt, you know, and uh-huh. and make it work for where you're at. That's so important. Um, but yeah, picking I would say picking something that you that you like to do um, is absolutely important. And then I think studies have shown that you're more likely to stick with it if you're um, doing it with a, a friend or a, a group of people, just because mm-hmm. of the the positive element of you know the social interaction. Um, absolutely, so that helps too. Yeah, yeah. And then I think we talked earlier about sticking to a routine. Um, and and I think most of us are kind of creatures of habit and. Once we get into a routine, we're more likely to, to um, make that commitment and kind of treat it like this appointment that we can't miss. Ah, um, that's so, helpful. So schedule it into your calendar that this is your workout time. So yeah, thing, exactly. you don't let things get in the way. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah. The and other I thing I found, really, one of the I, things I found helpful <laughs> was getting my my clothes and my shoes out the night before. So they're sitting on the floor <laughs> waiting yeah. for me to put them on. <laughs> you know? And then if you walk past them, there's this guilt that goes, oh, I should just go put those on. And, you know, and honestly, one of the things that, that helped me is you don't think about going out for a 30-minute run. You just go out, you know, and then right. the rest of it takes care of itself. It's kind of like the... You don't have to finish it. You just have to start it. But once you start it, you will finish it. So it, it's kind of going to the gym for, I'm just going to go to the gym for five minutes, you know, and then once you're there, you're there and you'll keep going. And it's kind of a weird little thing, I trick I played on myself, but it seemed to work, you know. Whatever works, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we all have our little idiosyncrasies. And so, you know, whether it's setting the clock earlier or you know, making sure you have enough time and, and energy to do all these things because I know some of us overschedule ourselves. And so, again, making it a priority, I think, is really, really important. So, yeah. Dr. Axe, what would you say? Do you have any other tips about, uh, you know, getting people to start their routine and sticking with them? Well, it's, it's sometimes best to exercise in the morning because you're more likely to stick to the routine. You're more energized after sleeping at night. Mm-hmm. And then as the day goes on, it's a lot easier to make excuses why not mm. to exercise. True. Um, sometimes it helps some people to keep an exercise journal, writing down their statistics, such as like how many um, laps around the block they did that day or how many reps you did. And then Seeing your progress in the written word can help motivate people to want to achieve more. And then setting goals so, and so that you can reward yourself. Like if you've been wanting to buy a special pair of sneakers or a nice workout jacket, set some goals. And then once you re- achieve those goals, then you treat yourself, you reward yourself. Not and to an ice cream flexible. sundae, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Food is not the reward. Yeah, yeah. not the reward, unless it's something healthy. Yeah. And then um, being flexible. So if you truly are too busy or feeling run down, then take a break, and, uh, and then you'll be able to get back on track as soon as you can. Mm-hmm. I know a lot There's of people a lot wear of those. things that people can do to increase mm-hmm. the amount of movement they get in their day, so it's what I try to do, because uh, I have a very busy schedule, um, I try to take the stairs instead of taking the elevator 
or I'll park further away from the door so I'm forced to walk, even in the Portland rain, to get inside the building. Yeah, and um, we don't melt, do we? Yeah, no, we, <laughs> no, we, we don't. Sometimes. We don't. We have some staff members, I'm, I'm very impressed with them, that will take their breaks and their lunch and go out and walk instead of, you know, eating. And that's, that's the way they get their exercise in. And when I vacation, I like to plan an active vacation and not a sedentary. So if I'm planning a vacation to, to a beach place, I won't just sit on the beach. I'll want to do something fun and active. Um, so those are all some things that... Oh, man, I we feel bad now. Movement. It's really never <laughs> too late to adopt a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. And being more active uh, and eating a balanced diet and being more aware of your health can be rewarding both physically and mentally at any point in our life. I agree. You know, I never feel like I'm on vacation until I'm sitting by a pool with a pina colada. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, once yeah. I get that, then I'm on vacation. So maybe I should just do it quickly and get it out of the way and then go do stuff. <laughs> yeah, that should be your reward. Yeah. I know a lot of people wear, wear various devices to count their steps, like Fitbit mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And and I know there's a lot of them, but I, and, and that's probably a good tool as a kind of basic. But one of the things I observed about many of those is they don't really track your steps. They track your hands. And, um, you know, like I was watching. You talk with your hands. <laughs> I know, because, I mean, I could just be sitting there and all of a sudden it'll start buzzing that I hit my 10,000 steps, you know. And, and I was in a band with a girl that plays drums and hers would go off in the middle of drumming and. And then one day I was at the grocery store pushing my cart and I walked for, it seemed like an hour and a half and it wasn't counting anything because my hand was on the, the basket. Uh-huh. So oh, just be aware that, you know, if you want extra, you know, steps, just throw it in the dryer and let it roll around a little bit. But, <laughs> um, but just know that it's not counting your steps, it's counting your, your arms and your hand gestures. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, and there, there's the speculation that when you're running, you're moving your hands, or when you're walking, you're moving, you know, your arms. So it gives you a close idea, but it's not exact. So just wanted to say that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that is <laughs> funny. You know right. what else is uh, helpful to keep the motivation going is to have an exercise buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. And so you're yeah. committing to each other and then making it fun and switching it up so you don't get bored by doing a variety of different activities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I took an, a Zumba class um, a couple of years ago. And again, you know, it was it was a, a fun way of doing it because I like to dance. And uh, so I had a buddy and we went together. And uh, even on that night where maybe, oh, gosh, it was a hard, hard day. And I'm like, oh, but yet, you know, I knew Susan was going to be there. So I didn't want to disappoint her. So sometimes, you know, that extra motivation, you might not yeah. do it for yourself, but you'll do it for for the, your buddy because yes, you don't want to let them down either. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and it mm-hmm. works both ways. So you can be that person for, for someone else as well. Yeah, no, that's and really good. I would good. just add, too, um, if you sign up for something, sometimes that's a, a good uh, form of, of a little bit of pressure. And yeah. nothing crazy, but something that you're, you know, that you're capable of doing or training for safely. Um, but knowing that that's out there on the calendar, like maybe you mm-hmm. signed up to do a 5K walk um, in the three months, um, kind of like that program you were talking about, Becky, the the five the couch to 5K training program. That that can mm-hmm. be a great motivator. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
Dr. Axe, you said during the break when we were chatting offline here that you had something else you wanted to mention. We do have about three minutes to break, so I mean to, to close. So let's go ahead and go there. And then, Lisa, we're going to have you close by kind of re- reconfirming the um, walking program and how to start one. So, so Dr. Axe, if you can talk about that quickly, that'd be awesome. Well, I, I, I pretty much already mentioned that, but I just want okay. to say that you know, health is, in my mind, is about optimizing the function of every body system, as well as emotional well-being, spiritual resiliency, and joy. So what, whatever makes you feel joyful, whether it's just going outside and connecting with nature or going to a gym mm-hmm. or going on, on a hiking group like with Mazamas, uh, all of those things are forms of exercise. Exercise isn't just about the physical. It's always also about the mental and spiritual well-being because we are more than just our physical body, and mm-hmm. our health is more than just our physical health. Very true, very true. Very I know true. I, I love to take my camera out on a beautiful spring day and just walk through my neighborhood and take pictures. And I mean, not look at those pictures even for a while. It's not like they're all going to be award-winning pictures, but it's the act of being in nature and just, you know, appreciating it on that, you know, close level. I love that. So I definitely agree with you on that one, Dr. Axe. Yeah, the the energy of nature is quite powerful. It absolutely is. is. You bet. Mm -hmm. So, Lisa, let's go back to you for a minute. And I know you mentioned the walking program in Portland that you're starting. And if you can give our listeners some ideas on maybe doing their own, why don't you talk about that for a couple minutes? I think we still maybe have a couple minutes left. I'm not sure. (laughs) Sure, sure. So, yeah, I would just um, encourage if you you don't have a walking group um, that's available or up and running in your community, pick a, a, a time um, each week or each month or however however you want to space them apart, um, but be consistent. That would probably be helpful once to, to get things going. Um, and then try to pick a route maybe that's accessible to the most number of people, you know, two, two to three miles, um, 45 to minutes to an hour of walking. And there are just so many tools that you can use to, to get the word out about it, whether you start a meetup group or a Facebook page, um, email your friends, um, post notices at, at, at gyms, um, but get the word out and, um, and probably as well have, have a waiver of some kind for participants to sign. Just, um, oh, good idea. Just, yeah. 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 Because if somebody does fall and hurts their ankle, you don't want to be responsible for it you know most people I think wouldn't but you just never know so so yeah that's a good good advice definitely so our program here in Portland starts when and how can they get connected to that and we have to do it kind of quickly now (laughs) yes Saturday June 4th at nine o'clock is our first walk up at Mount Tabor and if you go to the Breast Friends website um, under uh, support groups there's a link there with all sorts of information and we also have a meetup site that you could search and find too. Wonderful. Great. 
Great, so, great, and then they great. can also call the office at 503-598-8048. And Lisa's one of our awesome volunteers, so you can talk to Lisa directly. And again, that's 503-598-8048, and that will get you right directly to our office. So with that, ladies, we have to come to a close. This has been a great show. This will repeat tonight at 10 p.m. Pacific time, and then it's also downloadable in our archives. So It's been a great show. Spread the word because people need to hear this message. And we will be back next week. Um, Actually, Sharon and I will be in France, but we have somebody covering for us next week. Yes, we will. Until then, remember, there is always hope, and we're here to help you find it. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Join Voice America as we broadcast live from Pitbull's 40th National Hard Money Conference in Las Vegas, Nevada. The broadcast will feature interviews of the speakers, presenters, and changemakers in the hard money real estate world. For more information about the Pitbull Conference, visit pitbullconference.com. This is a one-day event for real estate professionals spotlighting on private money financing. Join the Voice America live events team and tune in Thursday, June 2nd at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern on our live events page at voiceamerica.com forward slash live events.